This is Pastor Mike, and I want to welcome you to the Life Fellowship Podcast. I know that the trials of each of you experience can often feel overwhelming, and at those times, the enemy tries to bring discouragement into your life. Remember that in John 16, Jesus tells us to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Today, as you listen, I pray that God's word ministers to you and that the power of the Holy Spirit deposits joy and peace into your situation. Mark chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. And I'm going, I'm going to preach I'm going to preach fast today. I don't plan on keeping everybody all day. But if the fish are biting, you don't have to stay at the pond all day. Amen. Some of you will get that later when you go home. Mark 2, 21 and 22. <clears throat> no man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles are marred. But new wine must be placed into new bottles. New wine must be placed into new bottles. How many of you believe God wants to do something new in us all the time? Well, that means sometimes we have to deal with this shell that we have. Because sometimes what God wants to do, this shell we walking around in, it can't receive it. It's not ready for it. God wants you in a process constantly of transformation. I want you to get that this morning. God wants you in a constant process of transformation. There is no cruise control available from heaven. God is always warning us in a process of transformation. And I want to really talk about the process of a, the grape goes through to make wine this morning. The process to be being refined and being used. Now, don't anybody go home and tell them that over at that church of God, the pastor preaches on drinking wine. That is not what I'm preaching on this morning. But, but the process of winemaking is a very intricate process. It's a very intricate process. And I want to talk to you about that for just a few moments this morning. And you've got to realize that Jesus wants to make something new out of you. Wherever you are this morning, whatever place you've come to spiritually, God wants to make something new in you today. Something brand new. And I want to talk about for just a few moments the process of the grape. The first thing I want you to recognize that the winemaker does is he chooses the grapes that are ready to be harvested. There's a, there, there are certain grapes that he wants and he picks them. And I want to tell you this morning, Jesus chose you. He chose you even before Calvary. He chose you. He said, I, I, I know that that's who I'm going to die for. And I want you to recognize this morning that God chose you. The winemaker saw something valuable inside of the grape. When he walks up to the vineyard and looks at his vines, really all he sees is, is the grapes hanging on the vine. But he's able to see 
destiny inside of that grave. He recognizes that there is more value. Uh, I didn't write any of these down this morning, but you go researching what some bottles of wine cost. The winemaker sees that that little pack of grapes that you buy at the grocery store, when he picks the grape, he sees more than just something that will be consumed momentarily. He recognizes that there is extended value in the process. And when Jesus looked at you, I want you to recognize this morning, he chose you because he saw value in you. Wherever you came from this morning, however how far away you may have been, whatever process you've been in, God saw something valuable in you and he chose you this morning. I believe that he chose to have you in God's house this morning. He chose you to be part of the process. I think about the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. He was one of the uh, worst men, I guess, on the face of the earth. But God was able to look inside of Paul and say, I see something there that I don't even see in some of these church folks. I see something, so I'm going to choose him. And I want to tell you this morning, maybe you've lived a rough life. Maybe you haven't lived a life that would seem acceptable in which you think the eyes of the church would be. But I want to tell you this morning, the eyes of the church are not what you have to turn this morning. The eyes of the Lord, the Bible says, roam to and fro, seeking those whose eyes are fixed upon him. And I want to tell you this morning, God chose you. God chose you this morning. And not only were you chosen, the second thing I want you to get is he cleans you up. You see, after the winemaker goes in and he picks the grapes, he'll go in and wash them before the the rest of the process starts. He doesn't just bring them in and start. He has to wash them. Well, why? Because there's dirt and there's pesticides and there's, there's sand and dead leaves and things that are hanging on that cluster of grapes that must be cleaned. We just, yesterday, we just had a foot washing here at this church. We washed uh, about 150 children's feet and ministered to about 350 counting parents and adults that came with them yesterday and that when I think about that foot washing process I think about the conversation that Peter and Jesus had and Peter said Lord I Lord I think you should just wash all of me he said Peter you've already been chosen you're already saved it's your feet that are dirty and the, what that means is that through the process of life there is dirt that collects on you and I come on church let's, who am I preaching to this morning even though you've been saved you've been chosen by the Lord as you walk through this life there are events that take place there are attitudes that come in there are little besetting sins that can attach themselves to you there's unforgiveness Oh, help me this morning. Some people have an attachment of unforgiveness towards somebody, maybe in your family or in your church, that you've never dealt with. And what it's done, it's made you dirty. You're saved, but you've just got dirt on you. And I'm glad this morning to know that the winemaker, the master winemaker, even though he chose me, he saw fit not to leave me like I was. He looked down and he saw me and he said, oh, he's got some dirt on him and uh, and even though uh, it's a long time since I've been saved and now I'm pastoring a church but he's still able to look down 
around and said, I know he's saved. I know he's got the anointing. I know he's a pastor, but I'm still going to clean him up every now and again because dirt collects to him. And I want to tell you this morning, in your life, don't ever think that you've got so spiritual that dirt won't collect to you, that dead things won't cling to you. But God said, I see you. I chose you. Now I'm going to cleanse you and wash you up. Has anybody in this house glad that Jesus decided to keep you in the process this morning? <laughs> he, he cleans us up. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, With an unveiled face, we are changed from glory to glory, from process to process, from event to event, from failure to failure. In other words, every time I give God an opportunity to let his glory be displayed, you see, as long as I'm in my glory, I can't see his. Charlie picks with me all the time. He said, Pastor, my job is just to keep you humble. Me and Dalton had a tough week getting ready for this back to school. And I told Charlie Saturday, I said, well, I want to tell you, Charlie, I don't need no help this week. <laughs> but as long as I'm in my glory, it's hard for God's glory to, to be displayed. Isn't it amazing that when we go through events that are unpleasant, all of a sudden we open the door of our heart and allow God's glory to be displayed. Pa Paul said, I'm changed from glory to glory. I'm glad this morning that I know that God doesn't give up on me, that he didn't just choose me back then, and because I've messed up 863 times, that he doesn't say, that's enough, you've had enough chances. I want you to know God stays in the process with us. And I want to tell you this morning, the title of this message is Trust the Process. God's got you in a process. We live in a life today where people, every time something gets hard, every time something happens in the family or in the church or in a marriage nowadays we'll just get out we'll say I'm done I'm get out and I want to tell you this morning God hasn't given up on you don't give up on him trust the process that God has you in today trust the process the thick after after the grapes are chosen and they're they're after they're cleaned up there's a crushing that takes place Boy, y'all gonna think I lost my mind. Any of y'all ever watch I Love Lucy back in the day? Do y'all remember that episode with Ethel and Lucy? Come on, y'all see some of you shaking your head. You already know what? They were in the grape bin and they were just dancing around making that grape juice. These teenagers, look, Dalton and London look at each other like he has lost his mind. You've seen that episode. Thank you, Dalton. Dalton's got an old soul. I love him. But the grapes go through a crushing process. They're, they're trampled to get the meat out, to get what's really inside out. They, there's a crushing. First Peter 5.10 says, after you have suffered, I'm going to say after you've been crushed for a little while, God will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. 
We need some settled. Oh my God, hear me this morning. We need some people that are settled in who they are in God. We need some people that are settled into the local church and say, you know what? I'm, I, I'm not going to go in and out and fluctuate. I'm not going to be all over the place. I'm going to be settled because I know I'm serving a God that chose me. He cleaned me up and I'm going to settle myself and just serve him. Before... Before God does the finished work, there's a crushing. Jesus is a great example. Isaiah said it pleased the Lord to bruise him, to crush him. But the grapes will be trampled to expose the potential of the grape. Because the outer shell seems to hold in the good stuff. Let me say that again. Some people's outer shell holds in the good stuff. And some people die and go to their grave without the good stuff ever being displayed. Because they don't want to go through a crushing process. They don't look listen, oh it's fun. We can talk about we can talk about being chosen. We can talk about being cleaned up. Woo! Let's hoop and holler. But man, we start talking about crushing. Let's just be honest, none of us like the crushing process. But I want to tell you it's through that crushing process that God can bring out the full potential in you. Because when everything's going right, sometimes we don't rely on the Lord like we should. But God puts us in a crushing process. And I want to tell you something. The crushing is what brings value to the grape. Without the crushing, it can never be bottled into that expensive bottle of wine. The crushing allows that to take place. If we got, if we got any teenagers this morning that's got jeans, that's got any cuts or anything in them? Any of y'all got a... What y'all got over here this morning? Come up here. I'm gonna, come, come up here. This little girl, this is a little Baptist girl. She never had been in Pentecostal church till last Sunday. But I want you to look at her jeans. Now, if I had to come home with jeans like this, <clears throat> my mama, first of all, they would have been a, a pair of Wrangler jeans from Kmart. And, and after she switched me with a hickory switch, she would have got out these hideous patches. Any of y'all wear them patches on your jeans back? And sewed them patches onto that jean because we couldn't have that right there. But I want you to look at the jeans we have today. When you go to the store, 75% of them are already crushed, wounded, split up, torn up. And now what used to cost $8 a pair for, for a smooth-looking pair of jeans, the ones that have been wounded or crushed up, we sell the... How much was your jeans? Do you know? You don't know. I bet they was 50 bucks. I bet they were 50. You can go sit down. I bet. Give her a hand. Listen. Nowadays, it's the crushing. It's the, it's the split up part of those jeans that gives them value. You take a kid into a store now and show them a pair of Wrangler jeans that look smooth from Kmart. They will look at you like you've got five heads. I ain't wearing those. It ain't got enough ventilation. I need, I need the knees cut out. I need some marks on them because the marks in your life is what really gives you value when you're able to step back and somebody's able 
able to look at you and say, I, I had the mark of alcoholism. I had the mark of drug addiction. I had the mark of a broken marriage. I had the mark that said I didn't do right with my kids. But Jesus stepped in. But Jesus stepped in. And now, now the words of my testimony, oh, they begin to proclaim the goodness of God. It's the, it's the crushing that brings value to your Christian walk. It's, the, it's without the crushing, Jesus would have never been the Savior. It's the crushing that brought him to the place of Calvary that gave you and I salvation. So stay in the process. Trust the process, even though it may be a crushing season. Just like you stayed in the season when you were chosen, in the season when you were being washed. Can I tell you this morning, stay in the season of crushing because God is not trying to kill you. He is trying to expose the true potential that the DNA of God that was hidden in you from the beginning of time. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have been created in his image. Don't bypass the crushing process because it's in that crushing process that the flesh begins to be separated. In that crushing process, all of a sudden the peeling of the grape begins to be peeled away little by little and everything about the grape that's unnecessary or bitter tasting is removed. But in our flesh, we often want to hold on. I'm preaching to somebody. We want to hold on to the bitter things. We want to hold on to what our mama did, our daddy did, our brother did, our sister did, and there is a bitter, oh, well, not me, Pastor. I've got the Holy Spirit in my life, and he's helped me, really. Well, then why does your countenance change when they walk in the room? Your body language. Thank you, Norm. Why, why does your body language change? You got, I mean, you go, you start posturing when they walk. Listen, that means there's something, there's something in the flesh that hasn't been dealt with. And even though you've got amazing potential on the inside of you. Listen, there is something sweet in inside of every person. I know it because we were created in the image and the likeness of God. But I want to tell you that outer shell can be bitter. And if we don't allow God to separate that from us, we can sometimes never see our full potential. You can't bottle wine with the flesh or the skin on the grape because it will always clog up the flow. It'll clog up the flow. In other words, you and I, I'm not a I'm not a wine drinker, but if I if this was a bottle of wine and we were pouring it out, I guess if I was a wino, I'd just be turning it up. <clears throat> but you drink, but if there was a piece of skin or a piece of that shell in there, it could clog up the end of the bottle. And I want to ask you, what's clogging up the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life? You see, if it's not flowing, it's clogged up. You see, the Bible says 
in Ezekiel chapter 47 that it's constantly flowing from the temple like a river. So if it ain't flowing through your life, it's clogged up. And I want to ask you this morning, what is clogged up? The flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. Is, is it unforgiveness? Is it, is it undealt with sin? What could it be in your life? Because God wants to separate that flesh completely from you. Because the flesh and the Spirit are opposed to one another. And it will always clog up the flow. Is laziness clogging up the flow? I'm meddling in your business now, I know. Are you lazy spiritually? Are you an SMO Christian? Sunday morning, on, Sunday morning only. It's quiet in here, I know. If you work on Wednesday night, that's a whole different story. If you work when something's going on in God's house, that's a different. Listen, so the Sunday morning experience is not serving God. Let me, let me, let me, let me say that again. The Sunday morning experience is not serving God. It's God serving you. What clogs up the flow in your life? Pastor, you're being hard. Listen, it's my job just to bring the word. And my, my, my desire for every person in this place is for the spigot of the Holy Spirit to be opened up wide in your life. Where there's an unrestricted flow coming from the throne of heaven into your life. And I want to ask you today, what's clogging up that flow? So the grapes were chosen, they were cleaned up, they were crushed, and then they enter a waiting period. Now I want to I meant to look this up before I left my office, and I didn't. I wanted to look and see what the most expensive bottle of wine ever sold was. Dalton, you look it up for me. But if you'll, you will find this, I, I did a little research this week. Expensive bottles of wine are not wines that are, and look, we live back in vineyard country. It's a, it may be vineyard. Y'all have vineyards in Texas? Maybe y'all do. I don't, they're right around the cactus fields, I guess, even. Grapevine, that's right. But there was, all right, here you go. There was a bottle of wine that aged for 73 years, brought $558,000. And let me just, as a, as a something extra, it's not going to cost you anything, is this part of the service? If you have a bottle of wine that you can sell for $558,000, we will take the tithe off of that. I don't, want to, I don't want it to be any miscommunication this morning in the house. Moving on. I'm moving on. But it aged for 78 years. So the wines with the most potential, even after everything's done and completed, even after all of that is done and completed, they're put on a shelf. They're not being used. Actually, they're collecting dust. Many of the times they are forgotten about. 
Oh, what is that a picture of this morning? How about so many people in the body of Christ? How many of you have felt like you've been in a waiting season for so long? You feel like you've accepted the Lord and you've cleaned your life up and you and you feel like your crushing season will never come to an end and all of a sudden you feel like you've just been waiting forever for something to happen in your life. But I want to tell you, trust the process. Don't get out just because you've entered a waiting season. Maybe you You've been waiting for your marriage to change. Maybe you've been waiting for financial breakthrough. Maybe you've been waiting for the Holy Spirit to intervene. Trust the process. There is something about the waiting season that brings out the anointing. You see, wines that are aged, have, they, they use the word robust. In other words, they just have a robust flavor. And I thought that is a perfect word to describe the anointing in your life. You see, when a Christian is willing to go through the waiting stage and let God do what he wants to do in you all of a sudden there is a robust anointing in just a particular time that will begin to rise up and when one day everything seemed normal the next day all of a sudden you feel the winds of change beginning to come you feel God beginning to shift something in your life and it comes through the waiting process through the waiting process while the winemaker is working on the wine he's also working on us can I tell you something one of the reasons you one of the reasons you may have never walked in the anointing you've been called for is you haven't been mature enough to handle it Well, sometimes I feel like I'm just too transparent up here. I, I ain't been here but 14 weeks, and ain't much I won't say. Let me say, I should have been pastor. I started pastoring five and a half years ago. I should have been pastoring 25 years ago. The reason I'm not today is because I, I was in and out of the process, and, and I wanted to do it my own way, and I wasn't mature enough to handle what God wanted to bring my way. But all of a sudden, let me tell you, you've got two choices. You can let God take you through the waiting process, or he will keep you. Oh, help me this morning. He'll keep you in a waiting process. And I don't know about you. I don't like being restrained. You restrain me. I, I'll just go crazy. But God will get the potential that's in you out because the world depends on it. The kingdom being preached to all the people in the earth depend on it. So you can either let God keep you in the process or God will just figure out a way to keep you in the process. He'll keep you in the process because his desire is to get that anointing out of you. To begin to have a, a new shell for that anointing to go in to build your character to the place where you can handle what God wants to do. Boy, I could... If you can't handle the coat rack in the lobby being moved, and I'm using that as an example because we don't have a coat rack. If you can't handle the coat rack in the lobby being moved without coming unglued, how do you expect God to use you in a mighty way? You, you, we can't give grace. Christians, I'm not talking about just church. I'm talking about 
church-wide, worldwide. Christians don't give each other any amount of grace. But look, when you get built up to the place where you begin to be transformed from glory to glory, and God begins to change the character that's in you, then all of a sudden that skin that you're in begins to change and you begin to be transformed into a reservoir of the anointing. There is special strength that comes through waiting. Isaiah chapter 4 said, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. There is strength. Some of you are not strong enough for the destiny yet. That's why God's got you in a waiting process because he doesn't want to push you out to where you would just fall off a cliff and give up. He's strengthening you through the waiting process. Bringing you to the place where he can get, listen, God wants to get the fullest potential out of your life. There's a song we used to sing a long time ago called It's In The Waiting. I don't know if that was the name of it, but it would just repeat that. It's in the waiting. And boy, it is. It really is. It's in the waiting. Waiting is one of the most difficult things a child of God will ever do. Waiting on something to change. Waiting on God to move. But can I tell you this morning, don't quit during the final step of waiting. Moses, and Eric, if you would come and just play something softly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a corporate uh, time in the altar this morning. Moses, talking about a process. God had him in an 80-year process to get the Israelites to the place where they would step into the promise. And can I tell you this morning, God wants to bring you to the place where you can step into the promise. God wants to bring you to the place where the anointing is the most powerful, robust thing in your life. We don't have a problem understanding how we could be chosen maybe or cleaned up, but the crushing and the waiting, I don't care who you are, Sometimes we get to the place where we ask God a few questions. We don't fully understand. And I want to tell you something this morning. God wants to bring the fullest potential out of you. But you've got to trust the process. Dalton, you've got to trust the process. Teresa, you've got to trust the process. Anthony, you've got to trust the process. Jacob, you've got to trust the process. Nobody knows your process better than God because he sees behind the curtain. Man. He sees 360 degrees all the time. He sees everything that's in your path. He sees things that are coming to you. He knows your process. Trust the process. Listen, you, you trusting the process could affect this next generation of little ones coming along. Because who's going to teach them? 
You want to walk with me? You don't want to walk with me? Those goldfish look pretty good. Where will we be in the church if we don't have some people that have some stick to itiveness? I don't know if that's a word, but I like it. You all know what I was talking about. If we don't have a church that's willing to stick to it, that you're willing to trust the process. Not be in and out everything. Every time something bad happens, they're watching. These youth are watching. The young children are watching. They need to see moms and dads and aunts and uncles and grandmas and granddaddies that every time something in the process doesn't go the way that they think, that they fall apart, they need to hear them saying, don't worry, son or daughter. Just trust the process. God has got us right where he wants us. He's maturing us. Because it's in the maturing that the fullest value will come out of you. It's in the maturing that the fullest value will come out of you. I want every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. We've done, done all this and it's just quarter to 12. I want to ask you something this morning. If there's anybody in this place, and I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm going to have a corporate altar call. I'm going to ask everybody that will that will come in just a minute. But privately, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask people in this place this morning that you know God's spoken to you, and you can see yourself in one of these places that I talked about this morning. Maybe it's in the crushing, maybe it's in the waiting. And you would be honest enough to say, Pastor, I've really thought about just giving up. But today I'm committing to trust the process. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I just want to reckon I see hands all over this building. Hands all over this building. I've committed to trust the process. I've committed to trust the process. And let me ask this. If you're in this place this morning, and you could be honest enough to say, Pastor, I... I, I don't know the Lord as my Savior. But I know that I need Him. I'm, listen, I, you lost me when you said you were chosen because I didn't know I was chosen. But after today, I know that the, I was chosen by Him and that the blood of Calvary has, was shed to set me free. And this morning, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you need to make Jesus your Lord and Savior this morning, we've had somebody saved, I think, the last two or three Sundays in a row. But if that's you this morning, you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you've been backslidden and you just want to make a declaration, God, I'm coming back to you today. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want to see your hand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Anybody, I see one hand. I see two hands. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Now I want to ask you to do this. Everybody that will this morning, I want to ask you to fill this altar right here. If you're committing to trust the process, come on. Come on, church. Don't wait on anybody else. I want us to fill this altar this morning. Thank you for listening to our podcast here at Life Fellowship Church in Hearst, Texas. God is doing great things at our church, and we would like for you to be a part. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 6.45 p.m. 
Get connected with us through Facebook or our website at www.lifefellowshiphurst.org. Thank you and God bless.